0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Authentic Uma podcast. I'm very excited to be on here as always. And today's podcast episode, we're taking a look at what's the best book on salah. Let's get straight into it. Today, I want to go back into my history and the way I was learning about how to offer salah. So in my early madrasa days, I remember that we were taught salah at madresa. This was when I was around I think eight years old or so and we were being taught in madrasa about how to offer our salah. This was around standard five or standard six at madresa and I remember that day we were having that lesson and the first thing which they taught us was how to make wudu. So when they were teaching us about how to offer our salah, I remember we were being taught about how to perform our wudu. And at the madrasa, there was a section where we could perform our wudu, And that section consisted of something like 20 stations, 20 little seats and 20 taps. And so the idea was that we would each go in groups of around 10 students at a time. And we would leave the main classroom and we'd go towards the wudu area and we'd perform our wudu over there and the idea was that every time we finished our wudu when we were about to leave to go back to our classroom we would get an inspection by the molana And in that specific class, we had two different Molanas teaching us. So every day we would have two Molanas teaching us. And each Molana had his own subject and his own topic. Because at Madrasa, we had topics like Quran reading, Islamic studies, we had Tajweed, we had practicals. There were so many topics which we were doing. And Molana Ziyad was part of the... Islamic studies he was doing the Islamic studies for our class and so every time we finished our wudu we would get checked up by him and so he'd look at our face he'd look at our arms right he'd he'd check to see if it was still wet because he would stand just outside the wudu area and he would wait for the students to finish so I remember I had gone in, I had performed my wudu. If you know me, I like to do things very, very well. I don't like doing things half-heartedly. I love doing things really well. And so I do that same thing in my wudu. Alhamdulillah. Praise be to Allah. But... I remember finishing my wudu, doing it so carefully, so nicely, and then I came to him, and then he was inspecting my wudu. And so when he was inspecting my wudu, he he was looking at my face, and my face was wet, and then he was looking at my arms. But then when he looked at my arms and he observed them, he didn't see it was damp right up till the elbow. Somehow he thought that I did not wash up to the elbow, and so I was told to go and make wudu again. At that time, most of the other students, they had completed the wudu, they had shown the molana and he accepted it. But for me, it was like this wudu which I performed was not good enough, so I had to go and do it again. So after doing it again, I went back to him and the same thing happened. He didn't like the way I did it. So that was kind of an issue which I had and it kind of built up my whole relationship getting all really bad with the madrasa. But then it's something which I'm totally grateful for today. But the point to note is that he was teaching us the Wulu and I remember that he would never give us any reference in the lessons of wudu. He didn't tell us that wudu is something which we have to do before we offer our salah. He never mentioned that to us. And he also never mentioned to us that it was mentioned in the Quran that Allah says that we should wash our faces, we should wash our arms. He never ever gave anybody a reference. And only later on did I come to realize that that's not the right thing to do. Every teaching in Islam should have a reference backing it up. Every ruling, every single thing in any religion, not only Islam, should have some kind of backing up from the scriptures. And the scriptures in Islam are the Quran, that is the word of Almighty God, and the prophetic sunnah, which are the hadith books. Those are the scriptures of Islam. If you pull up any ruling, if you say anything about Islam, it better come from these scriptures. And these scriptures are held in high esteem in our religion. And it's important that we follow what's mentioned in these scriptures. So while I was making my wudu, it was weird because somehow I felt that it dried up before I I was meeting him. Because after I wash my arms, then I move on to do the masa off my head and then I wash my feet, right? That's how wudu goes. So I feel that before I met the mulana to get the inspection done, all the water would have been dried up, but my skin was still damp. And so that was just a small experience which I had when I was like, okay, they're not really giving me a reference with regards to making wudu and at that time after you know after making the wudu i didn't realize this i didn't realize that wudu on its own is not something which molana tells you it's something which almighty god has said and something which was brought by the prophet peace be upon him i was never told that i always thought that the molana is always right with regards to islam the molana is always right don't listen to anyone except the molana this was my mental attitude at the time And I know that today that is a very dangerous, dangerous thing to do because that's not where the religion comes from. The religion does not come from so-and-so says this or so-and-so says that. It comes from the fact that it's been brought to us by this messenger and this messenger was given revelation by Almighty God and that revelation is something to be followed in totality until the last and final day, that is the day of judgment. And so, that concept I only was able to grasp it a few years after madrasa, right? After having a bad relationship with the madrasa, with the molanas which were there. So that was just my experience with making wudu. Then we came on to offering our prayer, offering the actual salah. So madrasa was held in the afternoon hours, starting from around quarter to two, one forty-five p.m., and it would last all the way until quarter to five, four forty-five p.m. And I remember that. The salah which we'd offer at the madrasa would have been asr salah, the middle prayer, right? Salat al-Asr. The mulana would give us time to go and make wudu and then come back and then perform our salah. But I remember that I would go to madrasa with wudu already uh, made at home. So whenever it was time to offer prayers, some students would leave to go to offer wudu. But I had wudu, so I would I would stay back. And in those days, I remember I would pray eight rakat But I wouldn't pray it 4-4, I would pray 2-2-2-2 and that was something which I strongly thought was the right thing to do. I would pray 2 rakah and then say the taslim and then pray another 2 rakah and then say the taslim and I'd keep on doing that until I've hit 8 rakahs in total. And so the molana would always see me doing this every single day. Now at the moment I didn't know I was wrong, but I was surprised that after I realized, which was after asking another friend of mine at madrasa, his name was Muhammad Amar, and I remember him, he was asking me, "Why do you pray two, 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 two?" So I was saying that because that's what the molana says, and so that's kind of where the conversation ended with me and him. And then after that, I remember going back home and asking my parents and asking my brother as well, that how do we offer the asr salah when we're at madrasah? Then after that, they were telling me it's 4-4. So I was like, huh, that's interesting. They never taught us how to offer the four rakah. It was amazing because the way I would offer my salah at the madrasa, they would never teach us. I do not recall a single day where they say that today we're learning about how to offer our salah. Not only that, but they never even gave us any reference and they didn't tell us that the way we're gonna offer our salah is like the prophets, peace be upon him. They never said that. They never ever told me that. And I was so surprised a few years later in my life that, wow, they didn't tell me that. So all of my actions at that time were totally based on what I'd seen around me, what I'd seen my parents do, what I'd seen the other classmates do, what the Molana would kind of approve of by not saying anything. He never pointed out anybody as being incorrect whenever we would offer our salah. And that's kind of something which I thought that, okay... Then I guess I'm doing it right. So that kind of really dented my first few years of offering my salah at the madrasa because I would offer them wrongly and I did not know that at the time and neither did the Molana correct me. It was a really bad situation I was in right there. Part of me following whatever was happening was that I would just look at the friends next to me And I'd see, what do they recite in the Salah? Okay, then I remember being taught the Tashahud and we just learn it from a book. And so I remember memorizing the Tashahud and memorizing the durud ibrahim and then memorizing the so-called Dua after durud ibrahim And from there, it was like, that's all you have to recite. You should recite nothing else. You should not recite anything else. That's all you need to recite. Little did I know a few years later that actually in the Salah, it's all about supplication it's all about asking for allah for things the change i went through from just being indoctrinated by the molanas and by the madrasa that this is the only way to pray and you cannot do anything else besides this from that to today me being able to understand the salah better knowing that in the salah you can pray for whatever you want before the taslim and after the Tashahud and sending prayers upon the Prophet, peace be upon him. And so today I know that for sure. That's a guarantee because I've got references for that. But at the Madresa they would never ever tell us to to offer whatever we want in the prayer. They never encouraged us to do that. I honestly do not know who taught our Molanas because whoever taught our molanas, they were misguided, unfortunately. Um unfortunately unfortunately i really really don't like the way they teach us at madresa it's something which i'm totally against and another one of my stories is that i remember being pulled out of the car at madresa because i really didn't want to go to madresa so i wanted to stay in the car and i remember being pulled out by the by the driver, as well as the guard at the madresa and then being chased outside the house by my mom, right, with a hockey stick, and me bleeding all over my clothes and my mouth, you know, bleeding because I got hit at home, right, for not going to madrasa, for not wanting to go. And so, madrasa had a really, really strong impact on my life. Um, this is happening when I'm seven, eight, nine years old. And when you're seven, eight, nine years old, those are the years when your self-esteem is truly truly built up and i remember that the way they taught us about islam the the whole picture which they put in my head about what islam was and what islam is totally totally incorrect totally totally misguided those guys i don't know who teaches them that stuff but it is wrong it's not correct because anything in islam bring your proof okay allah says in the quran Kul burhanakum in kuntum which means say produce your proof but if you are truthful everything in islam should be backed up by some kind of proof from the quran or the authentic hadith that is where islam is the true islam the true muslims they stick to that okay the namesake muslims those who call themselves muslims but not by actions they call themselves muslims And so those are the people whom I am totally against. If you say you're Muslim, you better be ready to answer whatever worshipping you're doing. You have to ask yourself, is this like the Prophet, peace be upon him? That's where it stops. Anybody who says anything in Islam, it needs to be checked up with the Quran and the Prophet's authentic hadith, peace be upon him. That's only what you need to do. And that's the best advice I can give you guys. Follow the Prophet, peace be upon him, and follow nobody else. So, this relates to going back and reading and learning. And so, part of learning and reading means you only learn and read things which are authentic. And as far as Salah is concerned, one of the best books you can get out there today is the book by Sheikh Muhammad Nasiruddin Al Albani. Okay, he is one of the recent personalities in Islam who has done a great service to the Muslim Ummah. He is known for being a Muhadithin and analyzing different hadiths and checking up whether the chain of narration is good or whether it's not good. Now, obviously, every scholar has got his own criteria for judging whether a hadith is authentic or not. It's kind of unanimously agreed by the Muslim people that Sheikh Albani is one of the greatest sheikhs who has done a great service to Islam in terms of classifying hadiths and authenticating them and so his works is one of the best works to look at and so part of his works is a book which he authored called the prophet's prayer described from beginning to end as though you see it this book contains this book is aimed at teaching people how to offer their salah By sticking to what is authentic and not by sticking to whatever any other imam says. So in the story which I gave earlier of me just being told what to do by the molana, you know, in terms of wudu, how to pray and looking at the people around me. He is against that. sheik al-Bani, may Allah have mercy on him, he is totally against that. It's what he calls as blind following and he doesn't like that. He is against blind following. He was a man who used to love criticizing and he encouraged people to criticize because only through criticizing can you truly come up with the truth of things. And so that's what sheik al-Bani was famous for. In another episode, we could look at uh, his biography. So Sheikh Albani's book, The Prophet's Prayer Described from Beginning to End as Though You See It, is one of the best books out there on how to offer your salah as close to the Prophet, peace be upon him. Now majority of the books out there today, they either contain weak or fabricated hadiths, most of them. Most of the books on Salah out there today, they contain weak or fabricated hadiths. And we know that in Islam, we are only meant to rely on things which are authentic. And so what Sheikh Albani did was that he went through most of the hadiths He went through all of the knowledge which he has and he came up with this book describing the prophet's prayer, peace be upon him. One of the key takeaways from his book is that he discourages people to follow blindly, as we've mentioned earlier. And that's something which really resonated with me a lot because I really do not like just following for the sake of it. I really don't like that. I like to question why things are being done that specific way. Now that's different to belief because when you believe something, you just do it no matter what the circumstances are. But as far as learning about a religion, for example, I'm totally into analyzing and criticizing and looking for loopholes and to increase my understanding. I totally am against following blindly without questioning, without having an ingrained feeling in your heart that yes, this is the correct way of doing things. So in the same vein, in Albani's book, when I read it, I got the feeling that yes, this is the correct way. There is no other way to offer your salah except the Prophet's way. None whatsoever. And so after reading that book, I decided to share my knowledge of what I've learned from that book. Because that was some knowledge which I feel is so powerful, very, very powerful. And so what I did was that I turned that book into an online video course. And that course is basically whatever Sheikh Albani has written in his book, I've basically turned that into an online video training series about how to offer your salah as close to the Prophet, peace be upon him. The name of the course is called the Ultimate Salah Course and it's a course based on the best book on salah by Albani, may Allah have mercy on him. This course is designed so that you only take away what is authentically reported from the Prophet peace be upon him. It's designed so that when you're asked on the day of judgment on the last and final day and the first question which is put to you is about your salah. So when you're asked that question, this course is designed To get you to answer that question in the best possible way. My duty is to serve Muslims who are eager to learn about their scripture, who are eager to learn about the true teachings of Islam. And this course goes into the true teachings of Islam when it comes to offering your Salah. Because when you've mastered your Salah, then all other things of worship become much easier much much easier because in salah five times a day you are programming yourself you are tricking your mind and your body into being a submissive person into being something that submits and when you submit you tend to take in more information and so in our salah when we offer the different words and we perform the different actions we're submitting ourselves and we're getting guidance from allah the example i like to give to demonstrate this is let's say for example you're at the mosque And the Imam has finished the Surah Fatiha, and he chooses to say this verse from the Quran. Surah Baqarah, chapter number 2, verse number 219, where Allah says, They ask thee concerning wine and gambling. Say, in them is great sin and some profit for men, but the sin is greater than the profit. So that is just a part of the verse, but this makes the point very clear. That is, whenever someone hears that verse, he immediately tells himself that, okay, wine and gambling is not a righteous activity. And because it's not a righteous activity and there's a lot of sin involved in it, then it's likely that they're going to keep away from it. And thus we learn from our salah and we're getting guidance from our salah. Now, if you guys would like to get a hold of this online course which I've made, it's totally online, meaning that you can learn through it at your own time, at your own pace. And it means you're only learning the authentic parts of Islam. And you're learning how to offer your salah as close to the Prophet, peace be upon him. If you'd like to get your hands on that course, then head on over to salammastery.com stroke go. Just fill in your email address and you'll get instructions on how to get a hold of that online course called the ultimate salah course so with that being said guys this is the end of this episode and i'll catch you guys in the next episode assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh